Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. Hosted by myself, George Stoya, the Denver Gazette, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. What's going on, man? Hey, man. It's a great day to uh, definitely be alive, man. So, uh... Being six foot feet above ground, it's always a great day. Always a great day, for sure. I, I know that's uh, it's snowing quite a bit, Nick. Uh, I don't know about out by you, but I'm looking out my window right now, and there's a, there's a ton of snow. I also have to tell you, Nick, because I, I, I thought you would find this funny. Uh, yesterday, I went and played some basketball, some pickup basketball. Well, you did. I thought you told <clears> me that you were not an athlete. Well, I mean, I, I can ball. Um, I, I play. <laughs> I played in. I played four years in high school. I was I was not bad, and. Uh, Anyways, I went and played, lit it up, you know, tore these kids up. I was playing some, you know, some younger guys um, that were, I think, probably in college, I would bet. Anyways, I woke up this morning, Nick. I am so sore. I I am getting I am getting old. I am either old or I'm way too out of shape to be playing basketball. Okay. Well, first of all, let me correct you uh, uh, right there, because at first when you started saying you played against some kids, I'm thinking like, you know, George has told a lot of stories here on this podcast. Did George go out and play against some uh, high school kids? Some 15 no, they were, <clears throat> they were, I think they were like 20, 21, probably. Okay. Did you go all Steph Curry on them? Yes. I mean, I was, I was knocking them down, Nick. I look, here's, here's my game. Uh, and I'm sure the listeners really, really love this, this basketball <laughs> talk, but my game is uh, uh, three and no D. You know how they say three and D guys in the NBA? Yeah, they all they do is shoot threes and play defense. All I do is shoot threes. I don't play any defense. So uh, I can also play a little bit in the post, but I'm I'm a I'm a shooter, and I I don't miss. If I'm open, I don't miss from outside. Well, all you had to do is open up and say, "Hey, look, man, I played some basketball, and uh, my role was playing James Harden, and that would have yeah. said enough for me <laughs> because uh, he's a three and D guy at the yeah. same time." But here's what I want to tell you, though. This whole idea that, hey, man, you're getting old, that's not what it is, George. I mean, you said it uh, on our last podcast how you don't often work out. So what you're experiencing is your body asking you, what the heck are you doing? You need to work us out more often. That's what's happening with you. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I lift. I lift pretty often, um, but I don't uh, run up and down like that. I think that's what got me is the up and down running. I was like, oh, gosh. This is, I haven't done this in a while. And I, you know, this summer I played rec league basketball 
Uh, so I should be, I should have been better, but I haven't, I haven't shot since then, you know, in season, it's really tough to, to get in the gym. But uh, anyways, I just thought you would laugh at me uh, waking up this morning. Like last night, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm like, Oh man, like I still got it. I'm still, you know, whatever. And I wake up this morning. I was like, Oh my back, my back hurts. <laughs> That's yeah. how it happens. Uh, George. I mean, that, that first day it's great, but then it's that second day. You know, like like you yeah. are the opposite of spaghetti and uh, Thanksgiving turkey, because those are the two things that are good the day after. Right now, you and athletics and how sore your body is. No, not so much. But hey, it's snowing outside. So why don't you go and lie in the snow and maybe that'll help your body? Yeah, I think I'll just lie on my couch today. But uh, <laughs> Nick, Nick, someone else who might be uh, a little a little banged up today, uh, Russell Wilson, um, obviously. Uh, he's dealing with a concussion. He's in concussion protocol. No surprise, right? I mean, we all saw the hit. Um, you know, I, I still think it would be um, kind of a miracle if he were to play this week. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, Russell Wilson, again, has showed that he likes to play uh, no matter the circumstance and, and figuring it out. Um, I just don't see it happening. But uh, I also looked it up, Nick, because I know we were talking about it the other night. Did you know he le- he leads the league in sacks taken this year with 43 He's yep. been sacked 43 times this year. Uh, so he's he's just sort of taken a beating. But, uh, Nick, just what was your reaction to him being in the concussion, you know, concussion protocol? I, again, I, I don't think it was a surprise to any of us. No, it wasn't uh, a surprise. I mean, I was there at the game. Obviously, I saw the TV copy as well. And that's kind of the biggest thing. Like, you know, a guy can get concussed and somewhat, uh, you know, play it off and then kind of go through the concussion protocols and maybe he makes it through. But the thing I think I believe that's changed all of that is that uh, that shot. And it was amazing how they were able to zoom in to Russell's face when he was lying on the floor. And it was one of those things where my wife was like, no, change the channel. Uh, can they go to another shot? Okay, cue camera one, because on camera three, it's not good. And to me, they have Russell dead to rights, which uh, that means that he's probably going to miss uh, two games because uh, for me, that was kind of the new standard and the parameters. And when they were changed on October 1st, you might remember, remember we saw Tua Tungvaloa uh, in that game, that Thursday night game against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, and his hands were going different ways. And that, that visual changed everything, which forced the NFL and the NFLPA to change those said concussion parameters. So the chances that Russell will be available this week against Arizona, I think they are slim to none. But let's just say, you know, hypothetically speaking, if he were to pass a concussion protocols, do you think it would be a good idea to kind of put him back in the game? No, definitely not, Nick. I mean, look, what are you, what are you playing for right now? Um, these last four games, I, look, I, I'm not saying the games aren't worth anything, right? They're always worth something. But right now you're sitting at three and 10. Uh, you're playing a bad Cardinals team. Look, and and you got to take concussions seriously, Nick, because you get too many concussions that'll end your career. And, and it's also not only about your career, but life after football, right? Nick, we hear those stories all the time. And, and obviously uh, the things that have come out about CTE and all of that. And you talk about the beating that Russell has taken this year, when I, when I say the 43 sacks, I mean, the odds are if he goes and plays on Sunday, he's probably going to get sacked again uh, and maybe multiple times. And how many more hits to the head can one guy take? And and I, I just – I don't – it doesn't make any sense to me from a football standpoint in terms of what they're playing for and a health and safety standpoint 
just for Russell and his personal health. Yeah, it does. And, you know, uh, Russ uh, has a wife and he has uh, some beautiful kids. And I'm sure that she is taking that into account as well and telling Russell, hey, listen, man, you've done uh, all you can do. Uh, This uh, season did not go as anticipated. And I think it's best that you sit down uh, because we need you for the long run. And the team needs him for for the long run uh, as well. But I can tell you as a player that's played this game, that's had a concussion before, uh, that's not what you want to hear. Because as a football player, I mean, you're wired uh, differently, right? You want to go back out there and play. Now, there's some guys who just love to celebrate just because they're on a team. But there's other guys who want to kind of take it to the max every single time really quickly. I mean, I was in concussed against the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Um, Willie Parker was a running back, and Heinz Ward came out of nowhere and just kind of crept me from the side. And, George, when I got up, I mean, I, I felt great. But then I tried to put my left foot on the ground, and I couldn't find it. Next thing I know, it was like one of those scenes that we've seen in boxing matches where the referee has to grab the boxer because I fell in the arms of Al Wilson. Went to the side, did a concussion protocol, and I have to tell you, I mean, I felt great. Nathaniel Hackett said uh, that uh, Russell felt great. You usually feel great. But then it's just like, well, did you give your brain the proper opportunity uh, to heal? I went back into the game, and, man, I shouldn't have not done that. Same type of play, but next thing I know, I was eating grass because it felt as though I was going down an escalator because it was a face plant, right? So they eventually took my helmet. So I had to endure, like, concussion protocol for like uh, two weeks where they constantly check me to make sure that my mental capacity and my mental faculties were all together. And remember my wife telling me that, you know, is it worth it? Asking me that question, George, is it worth it to try to rush back out there and play football? And and I told her, I was really honest and I'll be transparent with you in the audience. I was like, hell yeah, it's worth it. Right. I, I felt, I felt as though I was abandoning my, my teammates. Right. And that's exactly how I felt, but luckily the, the training staff at that time, they say, hey, man, you know what? You need about two weeks before you go back in the game. And I'm hoping that the Broncos do the same thing for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually um, was concussed once, too, in high school playing basketball, actually. Um, I took an elbow to the eye and uh, went down immediately, like knocked me out, Nick, in the game. And uh, I remember I, I didn't play. They wouldn't let me back on the court for a week. Um, and obviously concussions are rare in basketball, but the, uh, the lights, I remember the lights really getting to me, but, um, I, I, I think, I think it's the right approach, Nick, in terms of, again, what do you, what are you playing for, um, right now? And, and, and again, you don't want your quarterback, a guy that you're paying all this money to get knocked out of another game, right? I mean, remember Teddy Bridgewater last year, yeah. obviously his was, his was a little bit more severe. I mean, they took him to the hospital, uh, and took him in an ambulance, but, um, you know, he sat out the rest of the season. Uh, and I think that that was probably the right move for him. And obviously he had suffered some concussions previously in his career. And I think Russell has two, not as many as Teddy, but again, you have to think about your future here and not, Oh, I want to play on Sunday. It's I want to play next year and I want to play for the next five years. Right. Uh, if you're Russell Wilson. So I think that that all needs to be considered, but Nick, I also wanted to ask you too, uh, you know, one reason he's, he's a little bit more banged up maybe is uh, he's been running the ball more. Uh, and, you know, he that's also helped the offense. Uh, and so would you keep on uh, running Russell Wilson? Uh, maybe not 
let's say, let's just say he's not playing this year, but just moving forward with this offense, do you want to see more of Russell Wilson running the ball? Yeah, uh, as crazy as that sounds, yes, because this is not like uh, the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton where you have these design quarterback runs. It, it is Russell, you know, deciding to pull the ball down and run because that's kind of what the defense kind of basically were giving him because you go back to the Kansas City game. You know, they were dropping back in coverage, trying to double Jerry Judy, and it opened up some some rush lanes for, for Russell. And early on in the season, those rush lanes were there, but he never really took them because I remember there was this groundswell of uh, criticism of Russ from fans and local media that he's not running the ball. He doesn't look like old Russell Wilson. And there was this idea that, well, he, he's afraid to run. He doesn't want to run anymore because he's an older quarterback. In today's game, we, we see it all the time. Quarterbacks are going to have to pull the ball down and run the ball. Now, I'm not suggesting that Russell becomes like a Josh Allen because Josh is really putting himself in jeopardy, you know, leaping over defenders and sometimes falling on his head and falling on his shoulders. I'm not saying that, but based on how this offensive line, I will start at the beginning of the season and I'll even look at now the way that they have been uh, uh, deficient as far as protection is concerned, Russ is going to have to run. His choices are, okay, listen, either I stay in this pocket and get pounded by these pass rushes or I run and I escape and I decide to either slide feet first. The only thing about the Kansas City game, he decided to go head first. And I understand why he did it. He was trying to put his team on his shoulders. So I'm okay with Russell running the ball. I don't want to see it that much because of, you know, the fact of being injured. But knowing as though you're playing it behind this offensive line, maybe they make some changes next year. But I know the pocket's going to break down. Only thing I would say is, slide feet first but i understand what russell was trying to do yeah i mean look that's just also part of football right and it was kind of a freak deal the way he was hit uh on that play too i mean if he normally slides and there's obviously not two defenders coming right at him the way that they were uh i think one behind him as well you know maybe he's he's not concussed but here's nathaniel hackett we have the audio him talking about russell wilson running the ball more and why it was so effective for their offense via uh denverbroncos.com one of the plays, I don't know if you all remember, but uh, it was a third and one, and we were moving down the field. That was actually his play call, one of the best play calls of the night, and he actually called his own number on that one, and he broke it for, I think, about 11 yards to convert on the left side. So he wants to run, and he wants the ball in his hands to be able to throw it or be able to run it. And I think that's just, I mean, I give so much credit to that guy. I mean, he's he was a dog last night or, or yesterday. I mean, he wanted to take that game over. He didn't care what the score was, and I think you see it, and that's something he does when he utilizes his feet. I mean, it's exciting. Gives everybody uh, a ton of excitement. You, you want to follow a guy that's going to do every single thing like he does to be able to extend that drive. And, and Nick, it, it really did uh, help the offense yesterday. We got to take a break here in a second, but I, I, I really thought that it, it, it really kind of sparked them at times. He scrambled for a couple of those first downs and not necessarily even just running the ball. He ran for 57 yards on just four attempts, but there's even moments where he scrambled out of the pocket and found guys down the field. So it's not just using your feet in the run game, which is great. Uh, and he's I, I think he's run for – I have the stats here somewhere. Uh, where is it, Nick? Uh, 215 yards this year, which is actually more than he ran for last year. Last year he only ran for 183. So uh, I'm not saying you run the guy all the time, right, if it's there, right, if it, if, if it opens up like Kansas City was playing back, like you said, uh, but also just using your feet to get out of the pocket and make plays down the field. 
that's what you want, man. That's what today's game is about. And some quarterbacks or the idea when, uh, you know, evaluators used to look at uh, African-American quarterbacks, that was kind of one of the biggest fears that, well, this guy's just going to pull the ball down and run the ball all the time. He's just a running back playing quarterback. Like, you know, someone said about uh, Lamar Jackson, but no, in this game, you're going to have to move, use your feet to extend plays and find open receivers down, down the field. If it's open, you take it. If not, then you fall on the ground, you run out of bounds. But I like the idea of Russell running, not design run plays, but when things break down, extend those plays and get those yards to move the chains. Definitely. I, I thought it was the best version of Russell we've seen. And I think, again, that was partly because of the way he was using his legs. But, Nick, we got to take a quick break, and then we'll dive into uh, Russell's number one target now, at least in my opinion, Jerry Judy. We'll dive into what's, what's uh, clicking for him right now, uh, and we'll dive into some more stuff later on in the episode. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, welcome back from that quick break. And I hinted at it, Nick, but uh, let's dive into some Jerry Judy because I feel like I wouldn't say we've we've been um, I, I wouldn't say we, we we've talked badly or negatively of Jerry Judy at times. Maybe I have. I don't think I have. I think we've been a little bit critical of him, and and honestly, rightfully so. Uh, you know, maybe he hasn't always lived up to expectations. At least since being drafted, we've always talked about. You know, this is a guy that they need to be an elite wide receiver, right? Uh, a guy that you look back at that draft class: Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb those type of guys that are, are some of the best in the league right now at their position and just wanting Jerry to be a part of that group, be a guy that you can count on. We saw that on Sunday, Nick. That's the best version of Jerry Judy that we've seen. And, and really you look at when he's been healthy this season, um, especially the last few weeks, uh, you know, before the ankle injury, right before the ankle injury. And then as he's returned, he's been one of the best in the league, in my opinion, uh, in terms of creating separation, and just getting open. What have you seen from Jerry uh, that's maybe stood out? And, and maybe, I don't know if he's changed his game at all or if he's just now starting <clears throat> to get the ball thrown his way more. I don't know what's going on, but what's impressed you most about Jerry Judy the last couple of weeks? Well, for me, it was just that, uh, I mean, this capability of making plays. I was really happy to see the first touchdown, the second touchdowns, and the third touchdown to get that trifecta. I was like, yes. And, you know, listen, there have been a lot of people uh, who have criticized uh, Jerry Judy. And my normal comeback to that is that, well, what have we really seen of Jerry Judy to be uh, critical of him in that way? Yes, he was drafted in the first round and expectations were high because when you compare him to other guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, you're saying, OK, well, maybe he's not as good as those guys. But then now it's like, well who's throwing them the ball and how they're creating space and opportunity for those guys to be creative within the offense. And for me, th this is the best version of Jerry that we've seen here as a pro. But if you go back to the Alabama tape, he was extraordinary then. And I've always said this, George, you don't leave Alabama, come to the NFL and forget how to play wide receiver. It's about being set up. And here's what we're seeing right now. Uh, the ability to move Jerry around and play multiple positions 
This is how he should have been utilized. He wasn't utilized like this under Pat Shermer. He wasn't utilized like this at the beginning of the season because he was deemed wide receiver two. Cortland was deemed wide receiver one. So I'm thinking right now, based on what we've seen and, you know, the fact of moving Jerry around, this is how he should be used. And that's the job of your, your offensive coordinator to figure out what best attributes your player has and try to set them up. So for me, I don't coach for the Broncos, but based on what I saw with a limited amount of uh, offensive weapons, to me, now Jerry Judy should now take over that role where they normally put Cortland Sutton and now let him work. Yeah, and, and Nathaniel Hackett was kind of asked about that yesterday, Nick, because he, he talked about uh, post-game that you know they moved him around, uh, had him play some different positions that, that he's normally not played. And obviously he excelled at it. So here's here's Nathaniel Hackett kind of talking about that and what stood about stood out about Jerry's play on Sunday. I give Jerry so much credit. Uh, when Cortland went down last week, we decided to make a move for our team to put him at the same position that Cortland was playing at that backside X position, as we call it. And we still wanted to put him in the slot, so he kind of had to take even more of a role in the different uh, positions that we wanted him. So uh, he embraced it. I think he was really excited for it, and I think he took advantage of it. He had a couple opportunities to win some one-on-ones on the backside. Russ hit him. One of the, uh, a beautiful throw that Russ had to Jerry was on a slant backside when he threaded it between two people. I thought it was a phenomenal throw and catch and route. Uh, so those are things that we're just going to have to keep looking at. And I think that him in that position and still being able to move around as much as we have, I think it's going to help him. Nick, I know you never played wide receiver, um, but – I did, George. Did you? Yeah, that's how I became a, a defensive player. Uh, I Couldn't catch the ball? Well, yeah, I caught the ball and I got hit in the chest. And immediately I got up and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do that. That's how yeah. I became a defensive player. Well, well, then tell me this, Nick. How, how difficult is it to do what Jerry did in terms of playing different positions? I mean, we heard about it earlier this year with Kendall Hinton, I believe, uh, in that Titans game. He had to kind of change spots in what he was doing. How difficult is it to play different spots at receiver? It is very difficult because sometimes guys get uh, situated with just being an X, being a, a Z or being a slot a wide receiver. And usually in a given play call, you know, sometimes they have long calls, but somewhere in there tells you as one of those particular wide receivers, what your duties are. Some guys like working front side, some guys like working backside. And we know guys who work in the slot. If you go back and you look at some of the guys like uh, who, who kind of excelled in that slot uh, position, uh, Julian Elderman, Danny Amadola, uh, those guys, because now when you play in the slot, you have more room to work. You can work a guy because you can go in, you can go out, and the vertical passing game is, uh, is available to you. So for seeing Judy in so many different positions, it just showed that you know his understanding, his full understanding of uh, this offense, or better yet, what Clint Kubiak is trying to deploy. And keep this in mind. Now, when Clint Kubiak was with the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins was the quarterback, but also Justin Jefferson was the wide receiver. And you can see it now in Minnesota with Kevin O'Donnell now taking over the play calling duties, what he's trying to do, move him around a la Cooper Cup. And that's the only thing I have been screaming since Jerry Judy joined this team, right? Move your guys around. Get him off press coverage. And I've heard people criticize Jerry say, well, he can't be press coverage. Well, hell, you heard uh, Coach Hackett talk about creating separation and beating him pre press coverage. So 
that wasn't an issue with Jerry. It's having uh, adequate uh, play caller who can scheme and get him open and put him in positions to be successful. But he's one heck of a wide receiver, and we just saw that on display on Sunday. Yeah, I don't know who those people are saying he can't beat press coverage, Nick, but they, they don't I'll, know what they're I'll tell you on the break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to say I, I probably have a good idea, but I can tell you that they're totally <laughs> wrong because the stats say – I looked it up yesterday, Nick. He is number one in the league against man coverage uh, in yards per reception. He's averaging like 24 yards per reception against man coverage. That's number one in the league, He's that, which also means he's creating the most separation of anyone, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, anyone in the league when they're covering him man press coverage. So that's just wrong. <laughs> uh, but what I did want to ask you, Nick, is teams are also playing a lot of zone coverage against him because of that. And you're also seeing across the league the, the trend, Nick, I mean, teams are playing too high safety. They're playing more zone. That's just <clears throat> that's not just a thing they're doing against the Broncos. But what can you do as a receiver to combat that zone coverage and maybe get more plays? And we saw it a couple times. He he had some catches yesterday in zone coverage. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett pointed a couple of them out. But I believe all three of his touchdowns on Sunday were also against man coverage. Beats his guy on the fade route the first time. The second one uh, is kind of a scramble drill. And his guy kind of gets lost, and he he obviously finds a, an opening uh, towards the side of the end zone there. And then the last one, he just beats his man, um, you know, and Rippin throws a nice ball in the back of the end zone. But how can Jerry even, you know, get better in the sense of of getting more open in zone coverage? Because we've seen him. He's been spectacular against man. Well, it, it starts with uh, the in-game setup. And, and to me, when you look at what this offense is, or any offense for that matter, George, it's about setting up the defense, showing them one thing, showing it to them again, but then running a different route off that same stem. And when you when you are wide receiver and you're playing against zone coverage, the one thing they tell you right away, don't try to run through zone coverage, right? Because that means that you're running into another area of the field and you may not anticipate a defender waiting for you. So for me, it's just kind of finding ways to kind of get him, get Jerry Judy involved in the offense and also use other weapons, the tight end, the other receivers that are available to create those kind of mismatches for, for the defense. So uh, for me, I like what I've seen thus far. It, it just, once again, it just, it frustrates me as a, a fan and a former player as to, okay, why are we just figuring out these things now? Now I know it's out of necessity because, hey, you have no call in the sudden, but hopefully moving forward, especially into going into next year. And and once again, this all depends on this. if the staff is here. I'm going to say Clint Kubiak should remain as uh, the OC, and you just figured out something that I think you should have figured out a long time ago. Move your guys around, right? It, it, it helps. It, it helps to put the defense on their heels. And also it does this. One thing that we did not see early on in the season when the Broncos were losing those close games in the offense, wasn't able to extend plays, George. No one was making plays offensively. The receivers was just running routes and just stopping. And you said something that I think that uh, should be noted. I mean, having a wide receiver like Jerry Judy run that first route, oh, okay, it's man or zone. They they took that route away. Now, it's a scramble drill. Now, don't just stand there. Get open. And everyone was wondering, why are we not seeing the vintage, you know, Russell Wilson the way that we saw him in Seattle? Because guess what? Those receivers understood scramble drill and they created space and got open. And we saw with Jerry Judy what this offense could be and the capabilities of Russell Wilson if guys decided to move 
that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. And, and one thing too, I wanted to bring up Nick, cause you, you kind of mentioned it there. I, I think it's, it's been tough on Jerry too. And, and of course he, he fought through it and, and played great on Sunday, but all I can think about is, man, if they were just healthy at receiver and you had Cortland Sutton out there on the other side and you've got KJ Hamler, you know, open it up down the field, you know, those type of other players. And that's not to take anything away from, you know, Kendall Hinton and Jalen Virgil and, and Brandon Johnson and those guys that, you know, have stepped up and, and have done a nice job. But if you can get some more guys, some more top receivers, some elite talent there at playmaker to to kind of take some of the pressure off of Jerry, it's only going to make him better, right? I mean, we saw it early in that game. Jerry's frustrated because the Chiefs were doubling him. And he's getting, Jerry's going to see that a lot the rest of the season uh, if, if, if Cortland's not back and if K.J. Hamler's not back, right? Because teams are going to key in on him uh, and say, we're going to make someone else beat us. Uh, I mean, is that something that worries you at all, Nick? And, and how do you as a receiver – I mean, we saw Jerry beat it eventually in that game, but how do you maybe uh, as a receiver combat that? And also as a play caller, uh, you know, do, do you get the other guys involved? I mean, how do you go about – you know, teams, you know, teams are going to scheme against Jerry Judy and say, go somewhere else with the football. Well, it is a team sport. And as a wide receiver, you have to go, okay, well, now you have that respect of that defensive coordinator because they feel they have to double you to kind of take you out of the offense. And we know this, once again, it's by necessity and performance because there's no Cortland Sutton, there's no Tim Patrick. So what is going to force, you know, not, not just the offensive coordinator, but Brett Rippon. He has to be clean with his throws, even if that means inside or outside the pocket. And then from an offensive coordinator a position, what you do is, once again, you move him around. Remember, you know, when Tyreek Hill was a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, and we know that he can go deep in those vertical throws, those explosive plays. Eventually, we knew that he was going to get double, and he made some exceptional plays being double. But then, once again, they moved him around at different uh, positions that were advantageous for the offense so that's all you have to do get him off the ball putting maybe uh in the bunch formation maybe inside or outside anything to give him some of a free release so that double won't be able to take him out of the offense but these are the creative things or creative problems now offensive coordinator Clint Kubiak now has to deal with but it is something that you love to deal with because that proves that you're calling the right plays and they're being re- uh, executed properly yeah, I mean, I, again, <clears throat> I think Clint's done a pretty good job, Nick. Um, it seems like things are starting to click with him as a play caller. And, and not that they weren't earlier. I just think it, it takes some time, and, and he is doing some different things. And, and I think you you have a point. I think he, he's got a shot no matter what to, to probably, maybe be the offensive coordinator moving forward. Obviously, the rest of this season he, he will be. But uh, you wonder if, if the Broncos make a change, uh, is he somebody that the new coaching staff says, hey, we want to keep this guy because – you know, I've talked about, it. I mean, he's, he's an up and comer um, for sure at, at play calling and, and you look at his background and obviously who his father is, that certainly helps. Um, well, George, real quick, I'll, I'll add this is too, as well. Think about early on in the season when coach Hackett and uh, Justin Allen were calling plays, this is when the team was at pretty much full strength. I mean, looking at what Clint Kubiak is dealing with, I mean, he, he's, he has to take lemons and make lemonade. So to me, that says more about his capabilities as an OC because he's dealing with a limited roster opposed to earlier in the season with Justin Outen and Hackett had somewhat of a a full uh, roster to deal with. Yeah, it's almost like rotten lemons. Uh Oh, (laughs) 
I said lemons. Why did you have to go rotten lemons? I'm just saying, I mean, it's 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 a bad situation, right? Like he doesn't have the freshest lemons right now right. Um, to, to use. But also, I mean, again, shout out to Jerry Judy. I, I Again, I, I've been critical of him. I think other people have been critical of him at times. Um, he's right now on pace to have a career year. Uh, looking at his stats here, 42 reception, five, 587 yards, and a career-high six touchdowns, um, which, you know, again – very impressive. He's, he's getting open. He's making the plays that, you know, we all thought that he was going to going to make. Again, I think his potential is really high. So going to be interesting to see if he can kind of stack uh, these last few games and, and put together an end of the season um, highlight reel here. But uh, Nick, we got to take a, a quick break uh, and then we will dive into some more offensive football talk and, and maybe where they can get better, where they want to improve these last four games, especially if Brett Rippon is the guy moving forward. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody. Welcome back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, we just talked about Jerry Judy, but I want to talk about the entire offense. Uh, obviously, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about it a million times, but the injuries have piled up with this group, but still four games left. Uh, and this is a group that's coming off their best offensive performance of the season, uh, 28 points. Uh, I, I don't know the, the yardage off the top of my head, but the fact that they were able to get in the end zone four times uh, and really execute down in the red zone a couple of times as well uh, was super impressive. Uh, and, and I know that uh, a lot of that was a result of Russell Wilson playing some good football, uh, but I thought Brett Rippon came in, especially down there in a, in a tough spot uh, at the end zone. Um, he, you know, he joked after the game, he wishes every drive would start you know, at the five yard line or, or wherever it was. But uh, what, what do you want to see Nick from this group? And can they, can they carry, you know, some of that momentum of scoring uh, that many points into these final four games? Well, I don't know if they can carry that momentum forward, George. I, I would like to believe that they can because they just proved to themselves that, you know, they have the capabilities of doing it, especially with a makeshift uh, offense. So the pressure is going to be on Brett Rippon to show exactly uh, what he can do uh, uh, moving forward. And if he does, then I would definitely solidify his position next year as the number two uh, quarterback. So we get a chance to see a lot of Brett Rippon. But for me, there's a couple of things I would love to see this offense uh, continue to do, what seemed to be uh, a catalyst to the 28 points they scored against Kansas City, and that was up-tempo. Well, when you go to that up-tempo, man, especially when you do it here at home, I mean, it makes that defense gas. They can't get after you. You have those big guys up front looking to the sideline, tapping the helmet, trying to get out. It's like, no, big boy, you won't be getting out today. And you can run the ball, you can pass the ball and take advantage of it. So I would like to see them go more uh, up-tempo uh, this week and here, from here on out. Also, what I would love for them to kind of continue to work on is the screen game because uh, the Marlon Mack screen uh, touchdown, that, that was exceptional. I think that was more of Marlon Mack's ability uh, to catch and run more than so uh, the offensive line. But looking at how the Kansas City Chiefs executed their screen game and looking at how the Broncos executed theirs, you can see an obvious difference between the two teams and how the offensive line got out front and blocked for whether it was a wide receiver or a running back. Because what I saw was guys getting out there, but Hey, looking around, well, who do I block? Who do I block? 
and then now the runner is tackled. So I would like to see the Broncos work more on the screen game and teach those guys how to get out there, use speed, how to set up uh, the, the defender where, well, he, he has a vantage point where he can see the runner, but you know where the runner is supposed to be. The football is about angles. Cut off that angles and drive that guy off the ball and finish. Those are the couple of things that I would like to see this offense do from here on out. Did you see the clip, Nick, of um, <clears throat> the Chiefs running their screen game? Yes. That was <clears throat> that clip. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's on Twitter. <clears throat> it's the one where I believe McKinnon scores a touchdown, but uh, the guy throws Josie Jewell to the side. Then he comes over and he, he just plows Justin Simmons, who's there to make the tackle, uh, and McKinnon goes and scores. And that's, I mean, obviously the Chiefs are the best in the league at, at running those type of screen passes, but that's the kind of stuff that you want to see the Broncos work on. Now, the problem, Nick, is they've got an offensive line uh, that there's not a single guy that played on Sunday other than Quinn Miners that was expected to start on this offensive line this year. I mean, I, you look out there, Nick, that was a that was a preseason type roster that they had out there at the end of the game other than Jerry Judy and maybe Greg Dulcich and, and Quinn Miners. Everyone else that was out there w- was not somebody that, uh, you know, typically starts or plays a ton of football for this team. So it, that's the hard part for me is like you've got a bunch of guys that you don't even know if they're going to be back next year. Now that's what if, if you're these guys, that's what you're playing for these last four games, right? If you're like you mentioned, I think it's a great point. Brett Rippon is playing to be back here next year and be the backup again for Russell Wilson. Now, I think they'll opt to keep him no matter what. He might have some competition come in, kind of like they did last year with Josh Johnson, but he's a guy that that's really well respected. He's a smart football player, but he needs to go out and play well, right? Uh, you think of the the wide receivers I mentioned earlier, Brandon Johnson and Jalen Virgil. They're playing to, to, to be back here next year. Uh, you know, some of these offensive linemen, I know they haven't played great, and, and I think that they're going to kind of revamp that offensive line this offseason. But, you know, Cam Fleming, Calvin Anderson, uh, those type of guys, you know, Natani Mute, who, who came in and I actually thought played not too bad, <clears throat> replacing Luke Wattenberg. Like, all those guys are playing for their next contract, whether it's here in Denver or somewhere else. So, you know, that's kind of what I want to see is, is that effort to continue because I know, again, a lot of people think, oh, there's not a whole lot to play for in these last four games. For these guys individually, there is. And I think that can also help the, the offense find some momentum and, and, and continue kind of what they what they did this last week. Yeah, you're absolutely right, George. And, and the fact that, you know, a lot of these guys are getting playing time and none of us expected the offensive line to be beat up the way that it is. But this is how it works in the NFL. This, this is how uh, I got my opportunity. Someone got injured. I had uh, uh, an opportunity to go in and play a significant amount of plays to really show them that, hey, listen, I'm more than just a special teams ace. I can actually be relied upon to go out there and play great defense at at the same time. So this is an excellent opportunity for so many guys on that offensive side of the ball where they can actually go out and really solidify themselves. Because if you come into the league, and this was just kind of my mentality, it's not the same of every guy, you are trying to fight to become a starter. And I'll tell you, I mean, I've had guys who would tell me that, hey, look, I'm not trying to be a starter. I'm okay with being a special teams player. I'm okay with with being a backup offensive lineman. I'm like, well, who the heck are you? I mean, are you just happy with being a second class citizen? You don't want to fight for a starting role. So for me, that was always a mentality. So these guys have an opportunity to really go out and really show what they can do 
from a starting standpoint. And let's, let's be totally honest. We don't know what changes are going to be made from a coaching standpoint. Hey, we don't even know what changes are going to be made from an offensive line standpoint. But you want to make sure when they're having those discussions in that room as far as how do we build out this offensive line to protect Russell Wilson, you want to make sure that your name is in that mix. So a lot of these guys have an opportunity, and I don't want to have that excuse of, oh, man, you know what? I wasn't expected to play. I'm a backup. No, you are a starter now. So you go out and you attack these last couple of games as you uh, like you are a starter. And, Nick, I want to ask you this, too, because I think there's this narrative out there that these last four games don't mean anything. Um, you know, what's the point in terms of, you know, trying to win some of these games? What, what is the point, Nick? Why why do the Broncos? Because I, I look at this, and I, I don't know if I'll pick the Broncos the rest of the year, uh, but the Cardinals game is very winnable. Uh, you know, you look, Kyler Murray's not going to play. It sounds like he's out for the season, unfortunately. Uh, for them, uh, so you, you've you've got a situation where it sounds like the defense is going to get some stops. That Cardinals defense hasn't been great this year. They've given up some some big plays. Uh, then you turn around, you play the Rams on Christmas Day. Rams are obviously down. Shout out my guy Baker Mayfield. Um, you know he's he's amazing. But just had, just had to slide that one in there, didn't you? That's my guy. But uh, but you know that's another game that I think is very winnable for the Broncos. Then you go to the Chiefs. Tough matchup, right? But maybe you get them. Uh, maybe they've maybe they've they've secured the number one spot in the AFC uh, and they sit some of their starters. I don't know, but that's a tough game. Then you get home against the Chargers, who honestly they should have beat the Chargers earlier this year. Uh, and the Chargers like to screw around in games. I think that's a winnable game. So Nick, tell me what's the point of of trying to win some of these games? I mean, I understand it, but I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, what's the point? I, I mean, I I think the point is you want to win football games because one, you're you're a competitor. And two, yes, this season's lost. But if you can win the season, or you can end the season on, you know, not, you know, winning three of your last four, uh, which obviously would be great. I think that that helps, you know, momentum going into the next year, even if they do have, you know, some changes in coaching staff and all that stuff. But I think winning some of these games uh, would be a good feeling to end the year. Yeah, it definitely would would be. Uh, I mean, you only get that from negative Nancys who's who are saying, well. I mean, the season is a wash. They're they're eliminated from the playoffs numerically. So what is there to play for? No, you want to play because you are still part of the team. You're getting paid to do a job. Those fans are coming, spending hard-earned money to watch you play. So put even if you lose the game, at least entertain them and give them a great show like we saw on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, oh, by the way, you know, there's been a lot of talk all season long about what's happening with your coach. And Coach Hackett said he said himself, hey, listen, he, he just living day-to-day, right? He's just living day-to-day. So when you take all that into account, yeah, you want to go out there and you, you want to compete. You don't want to just go out there and just kind of lie down. And that was the narrative that was floated out there too as well uh, at uh, some point in the season, where it's like, well, you know, Coach Hackett has lost the locker room. There's no leadership from Russell Wilson, and the guys are not really playing hard. They're giving up. I mean, for me, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a game so far this season where I've really seen these guys on either side of the ball just kind of uh, throw their hair to the wind and say, hey, you know what? The season is over, so why continue to fight? So for me, just continue to go out there, chop wood, stack, stack bricks, and try to go out there and put your best foot forward because – Someone is always watching, George. They're watching how you practice, 
how you prepare uh, inside the classroom, but also on game day, how do you approach the game knowing as though you have nothing to play for from, you know, a playoff standpoint, but you have everything to play for as far as your job is concerned. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, Nick, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, they lost, I think against the chargers at home um, and, or maybe it wasn't the chargers. I can't remember who it was, but they, they lost at home and it eliminated, eliminated them from playoff contention. And I remember I asked Shelby Harris, uh, who is obviously now with the Seahawks. And I just said, um, you know, you guys are eliminated from playoffs. Like what's the outlook for the rest of the season for you guys or something along those lines. And, and he just looked at me like I was stupid. And he goes, uh, he goes, he goes, what do you mean, man? He goes, I got a family to feed. I want to get my next contract. I've got a lot to play for uh, in these last few games, even if we're not playing uh, in the playoffs. And that to me, that stuck with me, right? Is because these guys do have a lot to play for, uh, right? Individually, I mentioned it earlier for some of those offensive guys. It's everybody on this team. Uh, you you've got to 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 be to play well because, like you said, everybody's watching. George Payton's watching, right? Um, and he's going he's he's going to want to keep guys that are playing hard to the end. And and Nick, you mentioned, you know, these guys haven't quit all year, at least that we've seen, right? And and this last game was a perfect example. And I think everybody was ready. They're down 27 to zero. They're like, well, this team's given up. This is it. That's it. They're going to get blown out by the Chiefs. What do they do? They come back, they score 21 unanswered, uh, and they hang around in that game to the very end. So I think that speaks to a lot of these guys' mentality. Now, they got to finish, you know, finish games and, and learn how to win some of those, those close games and, and maybe pull off some of those big comebacks. But uh, I, I don't think you're going to see – a quit in this team. And I, I you know, I, I, I've said previously, I don't know if they're going to win another game. I do think they're going to win another game. I think uh, they'll win maybe two of these last four games, which I think would be a step in the right direction. Again, not the season anybody wanted, especially if they end up finishing five and 12, that'd be a huge disappointment. But if you can look back on these last few games and say, man, we actually played some of our best football at the end of the season uh, against some, you know, some quality teams. I think that's a, that's a good thing to look back on. Well, George, even if they don't win any games uh, from here on out, uh, the the one thing you want to see is is uh, uh, improvement. I mean, even though there are no more victories in sports, I mean, what we saw on Sunday, that's a, I mean, vast improvement from what we saw early on in the season because the idea was that this this team didn't know how to finish. They didn't really know how to to fight. And to me, that's that's the best fight that I've seen all year long, especially from the offensive side of the ball, considering the fact that you are t- you're fighting with both hands tied behind your back. This this is the way that I'm going to look at it because, I mean, Kendall Hinton went out of the game, so you only had Greg Dosage and Jerry Judy, right? And you still was able to put up 28 points and do it in, in a fantastic fashion. Mike Boone went out. Marlon Mack had to come in. So for me, that's what I want to see. I want to see a little more fight in this team. And once again, hey, I would like to say that the Broncos are going to win these games, you know, uh, these last four games. I don't know if that's going to happen based on all the injuries, but you keep fighting, man. Keep keep going out there and making sure that you are improving in your skill set. And at the end of the day, I, I think as disappointed as we all are in the season, I think uh, Broncos country would uh, stand behind that, the fact that the team continued to fight, knowing as though Russ is in protocol and Brett Rippon may be the quarterback for these last four games. Yeah, and let's also not forget, Nick, uh, that this team, they don't have a first-round draft pick next year, uh, at least their own first-round draft pick. 
So losing doesn't help them, right? Like, like the thought of like, oh, well, they should just tank like the Texans. Like the Texans should not win the rest of the year. They, they should honestly not try to lose, but lose. They need to lose uh, to get that number one pick. So you you I mean there's no there's no like point in being like oh well they need to they need to lose these games like you should try to win because it doesn't help you any in the draft so anyways Nick uh any final thoughts before we get out of here yeah man listen man I, I've been uh impressed what I have seen from this team like I said you and I are at practice we get a chance to go in that locker room and, and it's crazy to know that this team is playing the way that they are playing or the record is the way that it is when you go out to practice it doesn't seem that way and that doesn't necessarily mean that the players don't care uh it just means as though hey they're still uh razor sharp focus and they want to go out there and they definitely uh want to compete and if uh the game on sundays any indicators of what this team can do come 2023 i am uh really excited about uh what those expectations are and knowing as though they definitely need to fix this freaking offensive line. That's the one thing that we definitely learned from this season. Yeah, the offensive line definitely needs to be re- revamped, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this group puts out there in the last few games. I did want to offer a quick, Nick, uh, my condolences to Mike Leach and his family. Uh, he passed away, I believe, late last night. Obviously, a legend in the in the game of football, uh, coach college football for a long time. I got to know him personally. Uh, sad to see him go. He was definitely a, a unique guy, uh, personality-wise, but also just had a profound impact on the game of football and, and you know created the air raid offense that we still see a lot of today. So my condolences and, and thoughts and prayers are, are with him and his family. But uh, thanks everyone for for listening and, and and liking the podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe and sh- and share it. Uh, and we will see you guys later this week uh, to talk about the Broncos and the Cardinals. 